What do you say you and me take a walk over to the tavern? Let's pull up a chair. A little something to eat. <laughs> Welcome to the Mouse and Castle. Come on, Johnny. What are we waiting for? This is a gathering place for fans of all things Disney. So sit back, chow down, have some sips, and chit-chat about the magical world created by Walt Disney. For too long, I've been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. <laughs> Well, have we, oh, <clears throat> wow! Take. <laughs> I feel like I should keep going. I, I, Aaron, do I just roll into it? Do we just do this now? <laughs> I think so. I mean, that, that's it's just a good sign of how long There's... it's been since we've done this. So it's kind of, we're. I mean, that's evidence of rust right there. That's a lot of. I mean, this is what happens. I'm as a retiring podcaster. <laughs> More or less, <laughs> it's already on set. Like I've forgotten how to do everything. Um, well, hey everybody, I'm uh, I'm your host Riley Blanton for this episode of the Mouse and Castle podcast. See, it's possible I can speak. I spake <laughs> to use the Jar Jar phrase. Uh, no, welcome to Mouse and Castle, guys. Uh, we're here to talk a lot of a lot of Disney things, and there's been a lot of Disney things happening. So, Aaron, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, we we definitely have a lot to talk about. A lot around topics we had already been talking about around cost mm. and you know is yep. it worth it? And Disney just keeps giving us more more I guess data. Yes, they do. More evidence, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> maybe against them. Mm. Well, we had this conversation. Um, well, listen, and now Aaron, you have to trust all YouTubers <laughs> because eh. I brought up an early rumor of this. From like a YouTuber talking about the idea of a paid fast pass, and we're gonna jump straight in, guys. There's a lot of controversy. Although I will say this right at the start of the show, we're gonna talk uh, Genie Plus and the Genie feature in the app, and all of the news and controversy around that, and maybe even touch on the the pricing for the Star Wars hotel and the itinerary. They've actually released a little bit more about what that experience will be like. Um, but I've also saved. I will say this: stick around. We're not, it's not just gonna be like courting controversy. And clickbait in this episode. I've actually, there were two, I think, pretty cool, awesome pieces of Parks news that really flew under the radar in the last few weeks that I want to get um, your take on, Aaron. Um, actually, I'm just going to ask you right here at the top of the show. Aaron, have you, did you see the YouTube video that they released promoting the upcoming Epcot Spectacular? What was What's the name of it? I already forgot. But the new Epcot show. They released a promo of it. Have you seen it? I don't think I watched that one. Yes. That's exactly what I hoped you said, because I'm going to play the last excerpt, and you're going to love it, I bet. Uh, Not to set up too high of expectations or anything. All right, all right. uh, We've got a lot we're going to cover um, in in a sort of Blitz episode. We'll be back again probably with more fallout from this, because I have a feeling we we, we haven't gotten everything when it comes to this announcement. But let's just jump straight in, um, and we'll have the links to uh, a couple good breakdowns that I found that I was reading online Uh, And we'll have the links for those in the show notes for this episode. But Disney has officially killed FastPass and MaxPass and replaced both for a paid line-skipping replacement, which is called Genie Plus. That's the headline. That's actually, I think, one of the more fair. That's generally the headlines that came out of this announcement. There's a lot of features, and we'll go through it all. But I think I just want to get your... Bottom line up front, Aaron, is this what you were expecting? We've been talking about these rumors on the show. Um, where's your head at with the with the first reaction to this announcement? I guess we 
I guess we saw it coming, right? Yeah, a little bit. It, but I am. I will say, as a quick reaction, I am happy. The system they went with is not what they're doing in Paris. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's more akin, more akin to what they already were doing in Disneyland, which I already like. Yep. So I'm kind of cool with it. You know, we can talk about price overall or, you know, lightning lane and all of that. But, you know, when it comes to just kind of the overall idea that, hey, you can pay, you know, a pretty small fee to do to use the essentially use the fast pass system in a little bit different of a way. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually not too bad. Um, it could have been a lot worse. It could have yeah. been a per, you know, per ride per person type thing mm-hmm. across all of the rides. Yep. And that would have been a lot worse. So I think they went with something that they they thought might be a little bit more digestible by the um, the U.S. audience who's who's used to the free fast pass. Yes, as particularly the um, the Disney World side. I actually think this will be the most easily adopted at Disneyland because they're used to the Max Pass. Uh, feature, which is more or less what this is. So I'm going to hit the highlights here from the source before we actually kind of, because I'm sure a lot of you guys listening to this are already aware of the details, but I want to make sure we capture overall what this is, because a lot of the headlines and then the reactions, um, you know, it's 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 internet reaction. It, it's an internet reaction world that we live in. So it's interesting how the narrative and reaction from Disney fan community online is is... Is, is sort of instantaneous on this, and it's only talking about I think some of the features. So I want to hit the um, hit the the key highlights of everything they introduced with what they're calling the Disney Genie Service. The the tagline, complete with the blue genie, greater choice, flexibility, and fun, all personalized just for you. Uh, and so Disney Genie, a complimentary and convenient new digital service designed to create your best Disney day. We've been listening to your feedback. You want planning to be easier, you want more flexibility, and you want better tools to help you make the most of your visit. And that's exactly what Disney Genie is here to go, uh, here to do. We've made significant investments into this cool new technology, which guides you through our theme parks with tips that can help you reduce both time and lines, discover magic around every corner, and take the guesswork out of what's next. So it's built into the um, Walt Disney World and Disneyland apps. And essentially, the genie service, which is their sort of bluff, what they lead with with this announcement, they don't talk about the lightning lanes up front. The thing that they are selling direct in the press release is, hey, a new free, you know, artificial intelligent assistant, virtual assistant that's going to help you plan your day at the Disney parks while you're at the parks. Aaron, your take on on that. And this was announced, I actually didn't even know this. This flew under the radar, but this was announced back in like, D23 2018, I want to say, that they were working on something like this. Yeah, I remember the announcement uh, that they were working on, you know, the Genie app. I wasn't really sure what it was going to be. I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this is just a replacement for their existing Disney app. Yeah. And they're just going to kind of call it something new, rebrand it, try to build some excitement around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I overall... I think that what they're doing with this makes a lot of sense, especially as things are moving in kind of a more of a digital direction. I know they're yes. they're kind of trying to get away from the the magic bands being necessary. Yeah. I think they're still going to have magic bands, especially with a system like this, you're still going to have that kind of tap in thing. 
So magic bands will still be a thing that they can make money off of. So I don't think magic bands are necessarily going away, but they're probably going to add the ability to do it directly from your phone too, right? Like you could just use your phone to, to yeah. kind of tap in like you can at Disneyland already. Yes, and like um, you can at the at Disney World as well. Last time we was, it's a kind of odd oh, that's experience. Right. You just yeah. scan right yeah, in. Yeah, I haven't. I actually haven't been able to do that yet. So yeah, yeah, I forgot that I already did that at Disney World. Yeah, that's the last time Savannah and I went. That was a, a new experience of yep. You just scan your phone, um, right there. No fingerprints anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'll still use Magic Bands. Something about it, like I kind of like. It's like this. It's almost like you have a some sort of. Uh, official badge to disney yeah you know, like no it's it's a fun especially know. for kids yeah it's just a fun thing to have and you can you know mix and match which ones you're using and all of that so it, i i kind of hope that that doesn't go away but but yeah i think yeah with what they're doing with this system so you know and and here's yeah. here's what what's your aaron let me ask you this what is your number one issue at the park or negative experience when it comes to disney if you could just wave a magic wand or you know use one of your three wishes for the genie to just fix a problem at the disney parks what would it be that's a hard one to answer honestly i don't have a lot of issues with the way things run right now yeah and i think they do a really good job of of just about everything at disney world i guess the thing I guess lines would be mm. it's really hard to get onto some of the the top rides. Yeah. If you if you didn't have a fast pass. Like I know fast pass has been gone for a while, but even back when you could do fast pass, it was pretty hard to get on flight of passage even with the fast pass system because unless you were like super quick yep. to jump in there, you know, however many days in advance depending on if you're staying at a resort or not, you know, pretty much flight of passage was gone by the time you got in there to book your fast pass. So really the only way to ride flight of passage for a lot of people was still just waiting that really long line. Now we do have this, the option to not right? like with, you can pay and say, okay, I want to jump into that lightning lane or whatever. Um, so, so I guess that would be the issue long lines. And I'm happy that now with this system, it's not limited to just three rides. Because before, even with FastPass, you had you could pick your three rides and then hope that maybe after you ride those three, you could jump in and do another FastPass. But for the most part, you're you're just picking those three rides. Whereas MaxPass and Disneyland, it was a one, you know, you pick a ride, you do it, you pick the next one, you do it. And you could, you could ride a lot of different rides and most of the top tier rides throughout your day with the MaxPass system, system. You couldn't do that with FastPass. Yes. So this is introducing that ability in that same day, that ability to kind of have that same day, mm -hmm. you know, let me, let me buy all the rides that I want to ride and not just pick my couple favorites. Yeah. And, and there's a reason I asked you, I, I kind of wanted your quick take because your number one complaint, and they've talked about this and I think the press release, they alluded to it, at least in the press release there were, they're responding to park complaints. And evidently one of the biggest complaints is crowds, not price. People are still coming. Uh, not the attractions, not the food. Um, it's the lines and the and the crowds. That's the number one park experience issue. And especially when you're talking about those top tier attractions that have huge lines, I think that's what is not being talked about nearly enough is that if executed properly, which that's a big old if, this in the hands of Disney goers has the ability to disperse crowds 
much more evenly and make your park experience way better. And I think if don't talk about the plus service, the paid fast, nothing else. If it's literally just it, you, you can tag your favorite places to eat, favorite rides, favorite experiences, and it will automatically make an itinerary for you based on when those wait times would be lower. And I think that's, that's a huge freaking deal. Not for you and I who are literally, we're those people who are looking at wait times all the time, or we'll even like pull up the old touring plans, um, you know, projected wait times for various attractions each year. Like they have that data. So, but you and I are the data nerds for Disney stuff. Most av- your average family is not going to do that. But if they have the Disney app, you better believe if they realize that oh, we can just go do these rides first, and we'll catch you know Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or something at this time because that's when the line's going to be at its lowest. That's awesome. And not only that, in the announcement, they talk about how it cues between different types of experiences. So it will recommend maybe a dining option or a quick service or something like that um, that is geographically close to your itinerary. So it's kind of automatically kind of planning a flow throughout the parks, which will make your experience walking, which, listen, if you've got young kids... I'm sure this is a big deal. The ability to sort of have a linear experience through the park instead of running from one side to do a ride and then running to the other side all the way to get uh, your dining reservation. And it's just, if you're the, the ping-ponging back and forth across the Disney Park experience is will exhaust you versus like a nice around-the-world Epcot kind of experience. So I think this in and of itself... Um, is a big deal that you can just tell the app, these are the things I want to do, and it'll suggest your itinerary day of. You don't have to plan way ahead. You don't have to do the work. You're not doing any research. It's just the app making recommendations for you. That's probably going to drive some people crazy. Yeah? Because the planners, you know, the Disney planners. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That want to, you know, plan everything ahead. They have their reservations. They have their, their fast passes. They know what time they want to hit what. Yeah. Now with this system, you really can't plan ahead that much. Yeah. Right? Like you can still make some, you know, your dinner reservations, but then once you hit the park and start, you know, trying to book your your rides, um it may not match up with what you've already booked. Or I guess maybe like if it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how smart the system is cuz maybe yeah. if you have your dinner reservations already, Mm, um, like if it's it looking at that and saying, okay, well you booked, you know, this restaurant over here and you know, these other, these rides are the rides around it. So that that's what I'm going to recommend to you as mm-hmm. the ride to jump on at that time. So how sophisticated will it be? Is I... it, we've had times before Disney has disappointed us with that's promises true. of like, oh, this is going to work this way. And then you, the reality is it's not quite the way they sold it. Yeah, that's that's the que- there's the rub right there because we have the, the the press release right here in front of me on the Disney Parks blog, um, and we have they were talking about I watched the video of the uh, digital experience guy explaining how it works and how excited he was that this allows for spontaneity and flexibility and you can uh, tag all of your favorite rides and it'll. Um, notify you if the line drops for one of your favorite rides you know it'll like auto it'll just like say oh just do, do this and it just it'll be it'll be flighting around magic kingdom just from one experience <laughs> no stress to never again i mean that's more or less what they're kind of promising at least in comparison but if done right i and i actually i'm op, i'm more optimistic about the technology and data side because i feel like that is something that um they can deliver on um, more reliably than some of the um, 
the recent promises for interactivity at the parks themselves. Although we'll see. Galaxy's Edge wasn't the um, Westworld that they they pseudo-promised us. <laughs> right. So. Maybe they'll, they'll have their chance to redeem themselves maybe with the uh, Galactic Cruiser, but we I, can I, talk about I that later. That, yeah, we'll talk about the, that. I think that's where they're wrapping in a lot of that tech, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see, because I think if if it works the way they're saying, it could be super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it is very reliant on your phone. Yes. You know, so you got to make sure you keep that thing charged. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, don't don't let your phone die because then you're kind of out of luck maybe for mm-hmm. a bit. Um, you know, people like to go to Disney with friends. Yeah. You know, we have a trip coming up where we're going with, you know, multiple people that are not necessarily family members. So you got to coordinate. You know, get everybody on the same group. Make sure everybody's got the app downloaded, probably. Um, so yeah, it'll, we're going to have a chance probably to test this thing out pretty soon, and really, um, really kick the tires a bit. Yeah, no, we actually we will be there after implementation, so we'll be using yeah. Disney Genie um, in November when we go. So that'll be we'll, we'll report back on what our, on what the experience is but Aaron let now, me ask you now what about you, this uh yeah. this lightning lane well let me ask you this would you like more convenience and flexibility Aaron <laughs> because if you would like more convenience those are two things that i think everybody wants at the disney parks and then there are two other options for enjoying our theme parks so this is the bt dubs second half of the press release that everyone focused on cuz you guys have probably already heard a bajillion hot takes and stuff on this, but this is the Disney Genie Plus service, uh, which is $15 per day at Disney World and $20 per day at Disneyland. And that is where you will have, that. what well, they don't call it, but that's the uh, bottom to mid-tier attractions. You'll have access to reserve, just like Max Pass, one attraction at a time. When you complete that um, lightning lane, as it were, then you can make your next reservation in the app. Um, it's cool if you have Park Hopper, you can do it at any park. So you can um, make a reservation after you finish Big Thunder Mountain. Then you can m- make a reservation for the Frozen uh, ride at Epcot. So you could kind of hop around, which I think is pretty cool. But that's that's part two. And then part three is what they call, and you'll notice this, Disney's very intentional with branding here. We have the Genie, Genie Plus. And then wee down at the bottom here, they have individual attraction selections available for purchase (laughs) that's not they don't have a catchy catchphrase for the um final uh cherry on top and when they say those attractions are the top tier and they actually name a few seven dwarves uh mine train radiator springs racers uh to name a few so we're talking you can bet you um flight of passage uh, Rise of Resistance. Yep, they actually name that explicitly. Rise of Resistance. Those will be only available through individual attraction purchases. And Aaron, this is what this is what had people up in arms. Uh, uh, let, let's let's hear some let's hear some sanity here, some rationale. Why why might this be a good thing? Because I I, I was texting with you offline, and and I think um, you don't mind having this option. Explain yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I so I don't mind having this option, but at the same time, I can see why people aren't aren't thrilled. Sure. Because what it's doing is, it's giving you that flexibility to book stuff in that way that it works already at Disneyland, but it's eliminating some of the best rides from yeah. that. Yes. And I think that's the rub. Yep. Because the reason why I enjoy it so much at Disneyland is I can get on 
you know, the Incredicoaster as part of that system. You know, so I pay that ten. I think right now I haven't been to Disneyland in a while, but the last time I went, it was ten dollars a day. Mm-hmm. You know, you add the Max Pass, and for that extra ten dollars, I can go and I can jump on the Incredicoaster without needing to have a previously booked Fast Pass. I can just go, book it in the app as soon as I get to the park, go to that ride, which is one of the top tier rides at that park. Yeah. Then I can jump over to Radiator Springs Racers, and I can do that too. Whereas now with this system, it's almost like, yeah, you can ride most of our rides, but if you really want to ride the best rides, you still got to either wait in line. Um, they're still going to have the option for the, you know, kind of virtual queue that they're doing, um, you know, the boarding passes and all that for Rise of the Resistance. Yep, yep. those are all still some... available. The traditional ways to to get your, you know, reserve time is, you know, show up. At, at park open or at noon and go right into the app and try to get your spot in the traditional way. That's all still there. Right. So you can still ride those rides, but you're not going to be able to do it in that genie plus system. You're going to have to do it through the lightning lane, which is an additional fee. So it is, I can see why people don't love that part of it. I hope that they expand the, um, kind of virtual queue idea mm-hmm. to more than just the couple rides that it's on now. I know they're doing it for Remy's. Uh, it's obviously on Rise of the Resistance, Web Slingers. I think those are the yeah. three rides currently. Those are the three, yeah, I think those are the three I can think of. It's not my head. That are utilizing that system. Yeah. But if they're going to be, if they're going to be eliminating, you know, something like um, Slinky Dog Dash from the Genie Plus system, but there's also not a virtual queue for it. Like your 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 only option would be either to wait in a super long line or do Lightning Pass. It'd be nice if they added the you know, kind of ability to do a virtual queue as well uh, for some of these other rides. Yeah, it it's, I think there's the rub. I think you've done a good job capturing. I think there are other people who've done a better job articulating um, some of the reservations with um, Disney Parks culture, like the shift in um, how mm. they view uh, profitability. Um, I'm by no means an expert enough to, to break that down really well. The only thing I really want to tag on to what you're saying, Aaron, is the fact that what this does financially is incentivize um, long lines in that they're better off. If lines are getting longer, it's financially better because more people will jump to this paid option. Um, that's just a fact. I don't know. I honestly don't know if that's a bad or a good thing. Cause I don't know necessarily how much the broad impact of lines and attendance is going to be anyway. Um, I, I still think that Disney and, and I don't color me an optimist, regardless of what you think of Bob Chapek or what's been happening in the parks. I still think that Disney knows and understands that the value of the Disney parks experience is that is a, a guest experience first focus and i really don't think that that has fundamentally shifted has 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 that did that maybe take a slight back seat for this project as they're coming out of a pandemic after losing billions of dollars and having to recover it somehow yes i think that's true but i really don't think something like this will completely compromise uh the disney parks to be a complete pay-to-play experience and i don't think it's going i don't think we're going to see a catastrophic um, where all the rides will you have to pay for the lightning lane? You know, I've I've seen some some gross predictions of 
um, you know, Emperor Palpatine, a.k.a. Bob Chapek sitting in his ivory tower now, you know, ruining the Disney parks. I just don't think that's the case because I, I actually think the way they led with their press release is their intention, right? intention and execution what actually happens is it might be two different things but i think what they really are trying to do is build something that makes the experience better by dealing with the way crowds are dispersed in the parks right now and making it a more personalized better experience for the average family that shows up to the parks and doesn't want to spend the entire day waiting in line and i think they did that and that's a huge deal for the park experience for the average park goer the financial piece is the pay to play for that top tier and you better believe that they're going to make a lot of money because they haven't announced the price point for what those top tier rides and if it's anything like uh paris it's 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 the old uber surge pricing so if you want to ride radiator springs on on memorial day weekend when it's packed out you know that might be like well for the privilege of that ride 35 dollars. thank you very much you know i could see some pretty ridiculous pricing hopefully not but i think overall reading carefully and objectively through the the press release and and each feature that they've introduced I, I don't think they fundamentally compromised the the you know guest first focus of the of the parks. I I definitely see people's complaints and it, it, there are some negatives here, clear negatives for for guest experience. Um, but I think that's just um, I think that's just a reality. I, I but I still think if you ask me like next summer if a family of four goes to the parks, will they have a better or worse experience than they have? you know, in summer 2018, 2019, um, with this feature versus what it used to look like, I still think it's an overall better experience. Even if they didn't pay for a single extra uh, feature and they just use the Genie app to uh, navigate their day, I think they'll have a better experience at the parks than they would have without any Genie features at all. Yeah, I agree with um, most of what you just said. And I, I think I think they're playing the long game with this. Yes, they're introducing something that will probably evolve. They'll probably react to, you know, the fans and or the, you know, guests that are going to the parks. They're going to react to the feedback. You know, there could be a shift in pricing over time or availability of rides can shift. You know, they might say, okay, maybe something like Slinky Dog Dash does eventually get moved over to Genie Plus, you know, isn't just Lightning Lane. I think there will be some adjustments over time. They're not stupid, right? Yeah. Like we know they're not stupid. They're not going to want to tick off so many people that they they lose attendance. So they they want to continue to gain attendance. I think that they've thought this through and although there may be kind of an initial big reaction, I think once people start to use it, they're going to realize that it actually may improve their experience a little bit previous to what it was before. Yeah. And it also gives you, you know, more options for some of those rides that are harder to get onto. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to have to pay for a lightning lane, but if I get to a park and maybe I know I'm not coming back to Disney for a long time and there's a new ride that I really want to ride and I don't feel like waiting forever mm-hmm. and somebody says, hey, for 10 bucks, you can jump in and just ride this right away. I might be like, okay, you know, I yeah. didn't have that option before, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I, before I had to either wait in a really long line or hope I can you know, jump in at 7 a.m. And, and tap, 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 tap and try to get in the virtual queue. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now I can say, now I can take the pressure off a little bit. Like I can definitely ride that ride if I want to. 
you have that option. Yeah, I have that option, whereas I didn't have that option before. And you had mentioned crowd control, and I think that's actually maybe even a bigger uh, plus side to this than people are realizing, mm. because now with with this app and it's kind of directing people as to what rides are available and what they can do, they can really control where the people are going to be in the parks. Yes, and it sounds kind of almost like a little creepy big brotherish, you know, that they <laughs> can control you so much, but you know, there are, you know, there are certain parts of the parks that get really crowded and if they want to, you know, really disperse people to certain areas, they can say, Hey, you know, we noticed this ride is not getting a lot of attention right now, or this, this area of the park is super crowded. Let's start to put in the app that this ride over here, you know, is, is available now. And now you'll see people start to shift that direction in the park. So I think that there's more to it than just saying, hey, how can we make a couple extra bucks? I think this is a long-term plan on how they can really do a lot better with crowd control and at the same time making a couple extra bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's what they're going for. I will say this. I think what um, with, I, with the idea of the Disney Parks experience um, – by introducing some of these measures and, and a lot of this is in the context and a lot of the complaints are with like uh, the reduction of, of park experience with the lack of shows for so long with the um, lack of parades and then even just the, the reduced dining options. It's just the, the park service itself is reduced. And so I think it's a lot of these upcharges that will seem much more attractive as they get back up to full capacity. I'm not talking about crowd, crowd capacity, but I'm talking about the, the full Disney parks experience um, and, and offer that to anyone who goes, whether they're paying for all of these upgrades and staying at a top tier Disney resort, or whether it's your family of four that's st- staying at the holiday Inn down the road and not buying any perks, but they just want a great experience at the parks. And I think it's important to still, to, to recapture the pre-pandemic um, park experience as a part of this too. And I will mention, because it kind of probably flew under the radar for a lot of people because it, it's not necessarily relevant to everyone, but they changed some things about the disability access system as well. well that's true, yeah. Uh, which is probably worth at least noting. You can now register for it uh, from home, which is really actually a big deal. Uh, previously you had to go to the park in person, uh, go to customer services and kind of sometimes that line can be a bit long and that's the Mm. first thing you do in the day. You know, you show up at whatever park you go to, you get in that line, you get your disability access and then, you know, then once you get it, then it's good for the entire stay. So you don't have to do it every day. Now you can do it, um, from home before you go to the parks. Nice. You can actually do a video call with them. Um, and they do kind of that process from home. So then when you get to the parks, you already have it all set up. And then they also added uh, previously disability access. The way it worked was you show up to the ride. They, whatever the wait time is, um, they give you a return time and based on that wait time. So if you show up and it's a 60-minute wait time, they say, okay, come back in 60 minutes. So mm. you still have to wait, but you just don't have to wait in the line. Yeah. Uh, which is huge for uh, for people with uh, you know kids with special needs, yeah. so um, so that is still the way it's going to work. But they're also adding um, an additional feature where you can pick two rides um, 
that you don't have to go and even do that. You don't have to, um, you don't have to get that return time. You just pick those almost as like a fast pass to start with. So you pick those two, then you get also the return time feature. And the other big thing is you don't have to actually go to the ride anymore to get your return time. You just jump into the app Hmm. and say, okay, I want to ride, you know, frozen ever after it's an hour wait. I'm going to go ahead and check in right on the app and then it will give me a return time. So I don't even have to go walk all the way over to that ride to do that. So, so for someone with a child with special needs, that's actually, um, really nice to see that they, they didn't just change things about, you know, the, the, the experience for the mass population, but also thought about details that would help people with disabilities as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I it makes it much more convenient and a little bit more magical than having to be your first thing when you do get to your part. You know, the first day at the parks of your vacation, first stop is you know guest services. Yes, um, yeah. It we're such Disney apologists. Like we're we're definitely putting a positive spin on all of this. Yeah, I will say. Can you put us positive? Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say I, this is a rough transition. But how about let, here's a challenge: positive spin on thick on a six thousand dollar price tag for. Uh, the Star Wars hotel, <laughs> right? I should, I should think I have one, but I, I will say, um, you know, I get it. I get people that are ticked because I do think that the the cost of just the entrance fee to get into a park is high enough now. Yeah, that to tack on that extra fifteen to twenty bucks is a lot to ask, especially if you have a large family. Mm-hmm. And I do think that maybe there was an opportunity for Disney here to either do that as a much a lower cost point or to just say that part of it, the Disney or the Genie Plus part of it, is included with entrance. Um, I think that that there was an opportunity there. I think people would have loved that because FastPass was free. They could have said, "Hey, we're improving the FastPass system. It's still free, but it's included in your cost of your ticket, um, and it's improved." I think that would have maybe gone over much better. Obviously, they wouldn't have made nearly as much money by doing it that way, but. Um, I can see why people maybe think, well, I'm already paying, you know, 150 bucks to get into the park. Why isn't this just part of that? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I did see an estimate on the, uh, say, uh, on measuring park attendance. If a third of the people who went to the parks in 2019, um, so that number purchased this add-on for uh, 15 bucks, is something like over half a billion dollars in revenue, pure revenue. Um, at the at Walt Disney World alone, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, there's your catch up post pandemic right there." Yeah, and they are a business, and they are trying to recoup a lot of money they lost. So well, this yeah, is and they going to get them there. And this is what I'm saying: if this means that they're bringing back entertainment, they're bringing back cast members, they're bringing back restaurants that they don't have open right now, do it. I, like get there because that's, I think that's the imperative. Because if the longer Disney tries to operate in a like. Well, we're mostly what we used to be, but you know these restaurants or these shows, and you know these are, are still aren't uh, an option. But we still upcharge based on everything that used to be there. That's not sustainable long term because I think then legit you, people just stop going because the the reason people pay those premiums to go to a Disney park is because it's a Disney park. It's the experience. So I think that's an important. Uh, with these, re- I'm one of those people. I think th- this 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 revenue opportunity is good if they're leveraging it to you know bring the parkis experience back to what it was um 
there. I've said my piece. Although this whole, I don't know how much there is to say, but six grand for two nights on the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it's kind of, it's, it's the, this announcement was a punchline more, more so than the, uh, than the, uh, uh genie announcement. Um, so the six grand price tag is for a standard cabin, uh, for a family of four. If you're like a couple, no kids, uh, it's 4,800. It's a two night reservation as they've talked about before. Um, it's essentially a choose your own adventure, cosplay, role play, Star Wars hotel experience. We've, we've talked about it. We've seen the concept art. They've announced a little bit more about the itinerary. Um, was there anything on the itinerary that jumped out to you as like, oh, this, this sounds like worth that kind of money? Or did the price tag scare you away? Initially, the price tag scared me away. Yeah. I think I'm still pretty scared away from it. I, the more I've had time to think You're about it, you're thinking about it. At... I can hear it in the tone of your voice, sir. You're thinking about it. You and William are gonna go off here. <laughs> I, can, I just know it. I, me and William were messaging back and forth, like, like, because there was like a larger group chat that everyone was kind of like, "Oh yeah, we'll never do it." And then me and William are on the side in <laughs> our own little private chat, like, but "Seriously, <laughs> do you want to do this?" <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I was one of those people. I saw. I. I am. I'm out. Like as a that price tag, based on what they announced, and I'm just based on the itinerary that I read through and what the experience is. They. They haven't um, sold me on on a level of immersion and a level of experience that matches the price tag they're they're asking. Now, listen. I'm an ind- I, A lot of the times, I hear people talk about this in terms of what Disney should or shouldn't do, or what they have the right. Listen, they can charge whatever they want. They can do whatever they want with it. The only thing I can talk about is for me as a consumer, um, whether or not this would be for me. And I think you and I, Aaron, are pretty good examples of people who will spend a lot of money on Star Wars experiences. Like I feel we're right in the target audience, um, but uh, they've. Uh, well, they've priced me out. It depends on what you and William do. But I'm think, saying a lot, though. Think about that. Like, yeah. If if me and you are the target I, audience, I and purchased. I would say you're right. As a broke college kid, I spent all of my summer lifeguard money flying out to Star Wars Celebration in London, and crashed with like five other people splitting a hotel room. And by hotel room, I mean Bruce's Airbnb. <laughs> but like, that's me. That That's the guy you're talking to. And now as an adult who's married and uh, with a two-income household when we don't even have kids, like I'm in a much better financial position than I was as a broke college kid, but this is still not nearly what I think it, it needs to be. But I, I will say this. I, what, they, what they probably want this to be and what they want the impression to be to sell this is that it is the more Westworld immer- totally immersive Star Wars experience and that's why you would pay that kind of money. I just looked through the itinerary and it looks like a like they went to the amount of trouble that they've done, they theme for the Wilderness Lodge or for like some of the other top tier Disney resorts only this is just the Star Wars version but they're just charging three four times as much. Um and 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 because like the the deck the decor is cool the entertainment looks cool the dining looks really cool but that's all the case with with every other nice disney resort and and i don't think they've set themselves apart enough based on what they've released so far i have a hunch aaron that they there's still stuff that they haven't really shown off um so right. we'll see I- it's this is going to be it's a very unique audience they're targeting and yes. although i think you and i are part of that 
I do think we don't necessarily check all the boxes for no. what they're targeting here. No, I think I, they they are ta- ta- <laughs> they're targeting ironically, and I've seen plenty of memes about this. They're they're targeting the Canto Bite audience. There's dining, there's entertainment, there's gambling. You can learn how to play sabak. They're basically like trying to set up their own Canto Bite, which is hilarious. <laughs> considering that was a very bad thing in the last jedi that they were considering um but yeah. anyway no i think you're i think you're right i think they're targeting they're they're targeting people who are huge star wars fans mm-hmm. they're also targeting people who are okay with all the immersion because think about it like sometimes you don't want to be that involved like you just want to relax yeah it and is if not i'm going to constantly be having like well i feel like i got to be dressed in a costume because everybody else is i'm going to have you know interaction with cast members all the time you know, where it's almost like you have to play a part. Yeah. It's and a I very kind of stressful. It's for a very deep, more introverted. Yeah. It's a very detailed itinerary where they have like this time for dining, this time for entertainment, this time for your unexpected story moment, which is, I think is hilarious that there's a set time for an unexpected story moment. That's on the itinerary. <laughs> I think they put that because they even say like this itinerary is just an example. I, I think they put that in there just at, for, you know, excitement we like will oh have... cool there's gonna be a thing but they probably won't actually announce that in the in the true itinerary i will I only be satisfied because there's a muster where everyone has to gather at the beginning <laughs> everyone musters i will be extraordinarily disappointed if anybody but mon mothma gives that briefing <laughs> right right like the actual or the actual actress uh, yes yes carolyn blankiston I know at the price point i know people joke around about it, but like at the price point like i i need you know like <laughs> You know, like um, Finn in in the flesh should be there, right? Yeah. Or like yeah. Poe Dameron or like they they maybe have genetically created a Wookiee. I don't know because that is a that is a lot of money um, to expect people to pay. But I think like I was saying, you know, you ha- they're really aiming at a pretty small target of people who are diehard Star Wars fans who have a lot of money mm-hmm. who are willing to be extroverted enough to do something like this. Um. And I don't know that that's a big, as big of an audience as maybe they think it is, because even people like you and I who are pretty big Star Wars fans probably won't do this because of a couple of these elements, one mm-hmm. being the price, one and the other could be just the, it's maybe the, at least the way they're selling it, it's almost like too immersive. <laughs> um, I know yeah. it's probably optional if you do a lot of this stuff, but at the same time, you're like, well, I spent all this money. I better participate in everything. I feel like yeah. I would be stressed the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, am I doing enough? Am I, am I, you know, getting my money's worth? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's almost like you got one shot at this because it's not like you're going to go back every year. <laughs> so, like, if you don't do it right the first time, it's like, okay, the first time didn't really work out well. Let's go back. Like, it's not, nah, like, that's probably not in the budget to go back. It's like a one and done. Yeah. But I'm going to, the way I'm going to play it, is I do think that you could probably, when you look at the fact that, you know, it's kind of like a cruise, food's included, uh, pretty much everything you're doing is included in the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of start to do the math on that. You're like, okay, it's maybe not as ridiculous as it initially appears. Yeah. You just don't drink any alcohol and it's <laughs> right. all free. Don't add anything to the cost. <laughs> so if you could get one of those rooms that f- has four people you know, find three other adults to go with you and you kind of split the cost. And I could see it starting to get a little bit more reasonable. I would never take my whole family because then all the cost is on me and that would just be ridiculous. I just, it's not a good use of my money, but I could see myself maybe if I find the right people Mm. and the cost is right for that group, um, maybe we do it after I hear the experiences of others who have already done it first, because I, 
I don't want to go into this thing blind. I want to make sure that what they're selling is actually what we get. And I think that um, the first reviews that come back from this, from the people that did, you know, that want to be the guinea pigs, uh, will say a lot to how popular this will be. Because if it comes back with like rave reviews and people are like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. You know, that's going to make more people want to do it. Whereas if people come back and like, eh, it was okay, but it wasn't really what they said it was going to be. Then I think, you know, most of us will say, okay, then it's not really worth it. Yeah. No, I think that's very true. That's very true. And I think, um, we've had a lot of controversy and, 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 and some negativity, uh, not just from us, but I think just from the general reactions to some of these announcements on the podcast. So that I did want to save, um, two parks updates, for the end here uh, to talk about Aaron, because one, um, it's official. Space 2020 lifts off mid-September. Uh, they publish this on the uh, Disney Parks blog. Uh, scheduled for service mid-September, another milestone in the transformation of Epcot underway at Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, lo- located addition to the Mission Space attraction, it takes fine dining to a whole new level. Your immersive experience begins as you check in to the Space 2020 Departure Lounge and Future World. From there, you board one of two quote-unquote space elevators that will transport you in what seems like 220 mi- miles above Earth to Centauri Space Station. As you begin your ascent, you'll look down through viewport to see Epcot shrink away. And as you look up, you'll see the space station come into view. Once you've docked, you can head to the space station-themed dining area, uh, and it, there you will experience a panoramic view of Earth below. And, dude, they, they posted, because this is what you do now, Disney Parks TikTok. Hey, everyone. It's Zach from Walt Disney Imagineering. And here's a sneak peek of the Space 220 restaurant here in Epcot. Before reaching our amazing dining room, we need to elevate ourselves 220 miles above the Earth. So I won't, I won't play the whole video, but I'll, we'll have the link in the show notes, and you guys can uh, actually see what we're talking about. And, dude, like this actually looks like some like something that would be a feature in a Star Wars hotel, like this level of immersion, the technology that they have to simulate a space elevator. Come on. I'm excited. It's- it does sound like kind of Gal- or, uh, Galactic Cruiser light. Yeah. You know, maybe this would be, if you want to experience some of the cool technology and features that are going to be on the Galactic Cruiser, but you can't afford it, then maybe go to this restaurant. So, Aaron, please make reservations uh, for upcoming trip. I'm going to leave that on you because I'm guessing this is going to be pretty tough to get reservations at. I was thinking at. about that, and the downside to it is that it also falls during the Food and Wine Festival. Uh, so true. it's kind of like it's hard when to you do go to Epcot yeah. and during the food and wine festival you're pretty much your food is set right like you're going around you're eating all that food from all over the world and you know to to make a dinner reservation during that is is kind of like I don't know it feels almost counterproductive but I do want to experience this so I can maybe we could park hop over one night we I don't should, know we'll, I mean, we definitely yeah. have to talk about it well, let's, 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 we'll talk I'll have my people yeah, talk we'll to your people uh, we'll do that, but I I had to feature that because I'm. This is probably one of the, this is the restaurant and dining experience that I'm most excited about uh, that they've been working on a while. So I'm glad it's one of those things that actually came to fruition as we were. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff for Epcot seems to be uh, canceled, and then finally they released the official uh, preview for Harmonious. It's this really cool video. It's it's only three minutes long. I won't play the whole thing. But uh, Epcot's Harmonious, um, on, the, on the Disney Parks blog, they say, 
Um, the soundtrack for Harmonious, and this is, I didn't even realize this, Aaron, it got me really hyped for it. The soundtrack for Harmonious was produced remotely through more than 100 separate recording sessions in nine countries and five states, 240 musicians, artists, composers, arrangers, cultural consultants, vocalists contributed to this holy, authentic sound of the show. It takes you on a journey through new interpretations of familiar Disney songs performed by more in more than a dozen languages by a cast of talented singers from around the world. And they, they, they highlight a lot of the work that's being done for, like Louis Fonzi is um, doing his version, some songs from Coco. They have um, stuff from Princess and the Frog, Aladdin, Mulan, and they, they get people of all different ethnic and cultural backgrounds to do new takes on these songs. And, and just even the little glimpses that they show in this video are amazing. Um, and so I'm going to play like the last few minutes and then we'll call it for a show. How's that sound, Aaron? Sounds good. Here it is. I love bringing Celtic music to a wider audience and this is certainly going to do it. I hope that people watch this and realize that there is so much beauty in being different. And there's so much connection that comes from art and acceptance and love and relishing in our differences rather than seeing them as divisions. I'm proud of a lot of things that I work for Disney. But I think this show, I think we really did something special that we've never done in any of the other shows. This would be the show that I'm most proud of that I've done to date, for sure. Premieres October 1st. Harmonious. Come on. Yeah, I, of course you started with the Celtic music part. I, it was a little one-two one, punch. I had to start on my Celtic music part, and then for you, I can go the distance. I knew that yeah, would get exactly. you. exactly. Like, you knew, you knew what clip to play me. Yes. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, anytime you have amazing visuals combined with Disney music, like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm sold. It doesn't take much more than that to sell me on something. So, I'm excited, and I'm excited that to we're share. going to oh, sorry. go to, you know, Hopefully, with with you know the trip that we have planned and the timing of it, we'll be able to experience some of these, including you know the other nighttime shows that are going to be going on. Um, I know Disney or um, Magic Kingdom is going to be doing their new one for the 50th anniversary. Um, you're obviously going to have Harmonious, and yeah, I'm so I'm super excited that we're going to get the opportunity to see some of this stuff. And I just saw a preview they did uh, where they're posting pictures of. Uh, spaceship earth with kind of the new lighting mm -hmm. and how they can control that lighting and the different colors and stuff and the way that it's set up on the they did some really close-up images uh recently i think it was on instagram mm. of what that's going to look like and wow that's going to be cool too because i know that's not necessarily part of the the harmonious show but it just as a visual at that park i think it's going to really pop and yeah i'm excited about a ton of stuff they're doing for the 50th anniversary so yeah yeah a lot of no. Disney seems to be on a bit of a comeback as far as parks go. Dude, and, I'm um, I'm you're you're not wrong. I the, when I watch there's something it's so it's, it feels silly to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's something about like when when I watch the video and all of the work like tedious, you know, Zoom calls. It's like it's a product of the pandemic era, but the fact that they brought in hundreds of different cultures, singers, types, like uh, it, 
I think often in uh, the current era, especially in the corporate world, diversity can kind of become like a punchline or like a box that you check. And seeing the like the heart and passion of all the various musicians bringing, you're talking about what Disney and those stories meant to them and take, bringing their own take to these like songs that are already a part of our culture and celebrating their differences together. Like there's something about that that is quintessentially Disney, quintessentially Epcot. It's the perfect representation of what the what Epcot was meant to be. So the fact that you know, this is now the this is the largest nighttime spectacular ever ever created. It's right there in the press release for a Disney park. I th- I cannot wait. I'm hyped. <laughs> uh, I guess we have to end the show now. Yes. Can we go to the Disney parks, please? <laughs> uh, that if we could just like uh, hop right now onto a flight, I would definitely definitely do that. But you know what? Soon enough. Let's yeah. uh, let's call it. Let's call it. Uh, Aaron, tell the folks where they can find you on uh, on the interwebs. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at avgoins. I'm also on Instagram, same handle. Yeah. And yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, Star Wars bookworms for you, uh, Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, nerds out there. Um, and also for you, Star Wars nerds, I, I alluded to it at the beginning of the show. If you guys don't know. Um, Star Wars Report is on its final countdown. We're actually wrapping up the show uh, at episode 501, which is a ways out. It's uh, probably sometime after the new year. Uh, we will be closing the door on the Star Wars Report podcast. So uh, enjoy. We have, a lot, we have a lot of Star Wars guests coming on um, as we kind of like celebrate and look back at and talk about all things Star Wars on the Star Wars Report podcast. So if you're interested in that, uh, make sure you tune in. Uh, as we count down to the final episodes. Mouse and Castle will keep going, don't worry, uh, as we're able to. Um, Aaron, it's always good to talk to you. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go back to the parks, man. I'm super excited after that after that uh, harmonious. There's going to be so much new stuff for us to see. Mm. And, you know, with Remy's, uh, the Ratatouille ride. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. All the 50th anniversary stuff. We're gonna. It's going to be a bit of a whirlwind. I know we're going to try to, like, hop around and hit all four parks, but... Yeah, it's going to be exciting to get back down there. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I can't wait. You can follow, uh, of course, Mouse and Castle. It's at Mouse and Castle uh, on the Twitters, on Instagram. You can find us there. Of course, mouseandcastlepodcast.com is where you want to go. You can also um, see the show notes for this episode, episode 59. We'll have links to, and seriously, if you haven't, uh, watch the harmonious behind the scenes. It's on the Disney Parks YouTube channel as well as the show notes for the episode. But until next time, let's keep the magic alive on the Mouse and Castle podcast. You do get you do get rusty, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's, oh, what was happening on this episode. Lord. We took too, we took too long off. Yeah, it's true. It was almost a month. My gosh. Um, I feel like, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely sync up in another week or two. Uh, news is hitting hard and fast. There's so much stuff that happened like that we'd normally talk about, but that's the big stuff. Yeah, we didn't get to any. like. There's a lot of new stuff on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I watched... Uh, what's it called? I watched... Um, what's uh jungle cruise 
Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, we need to talk about that. I haven't seen it yet. I've been kind of holding out because I wanted to watch it in the theater. Yeah, we watched it in our little local theater here. It was, uh, it was good. It was a good. It was a fun time. Fun time. Yeah. It's not the like birth of the the next great Pirates of the Caribbean franchise that they want it to be, but it's fun. It's a fun watch. Yeah, I'll have to check my... it out. And the the What If uh, show for Marvel uh, on Disney Plus has been pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't checked that one out yet, but I, I should. But, uh, I know. I...